Mr. Pop. Well, you wouldn't be able to say that on a countdown award now, would you? I would. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Yes, it's that wonderful time of the week again when rock and roll comes around. My name's Kevin Hillier. With me as always, uh, Mark Fine, broadcaster, writer, pool man, uh, and uh, gatherer, and uh, and uh, what, what the fossicker and gatherer, I think uh, we could call you, Finey. How are you, Finey? Oh, no. Now I've got a new title mm-hmm. in lockdown because not much happens. Mm-hmm. I'm a left knacker scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all you get up to nowadays. <laughs> yes. Sounds uh, like you're right-handed. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking for a promotion. I'm, hopefully I'll get to the right one eventually. <laughs> you've, been, you've been practicing your Ernie Sigley show. I'm joking. I'm joking. Goodness me. Uh, it's, well, it's nice, to, it's nice to have a dream, Finey. Uh, you just work on that right one. Off yeah. you go. And, of course, Brian oh. Mannix, rock star extraordinaire, and uh, these days, social recluse. Social recluse. Yeah, well, that's about right. And again, we social recluse at mm. the moment. But, too, but remember, um, remember when that was a thing? Remember that when people actually did uh, not go out and they were – you know, they were they were considered to be sort of uh, mysterious and uh, and uh, you know some sort of wondrous mystery about them because uh, they were a social recluse. Now you just like every other bod, you're just not allowed to go out anyway. So, well, I've got that Howard Hughes thing going while I'm wearing tissue box for shoes as well. Oh, really? <laughs> did did Howard Hughes do that? Did he? Yeah, I got so upset about germs that he was wearing tissue boxes for oh, shoes okay. and. And he grew his fingernails about a foot long, and oh, uh, you know, crazy. Okay, so yeah. are you? Are you? Brian, are you germaphobe? Are you? Um, no, 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 not really. Okay. No, not the way I live. Yeah. So, sorry, uh, finally, I interrupted you there. I apologise. No, no, no. Actually, you can't be a germaphobe anymore. It's politically incorrect. <laughs> oh, the germs are very upset about it. <laughs> yeah, um, they would be. They would be. Um, but Brian. I've got a um, – can you put your – not your career, but your, your profile in my hands for a couple of weeks because I've, I've got a plan. You've got a plan. Oh. Well, I'm sure we can do that. What's the plan? All, right. all, all we need is a white plate and a packet of whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. Whiskey. You know, the, the oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I see where you're going. Now, it's going to make you sneeze, but don't worry. Yeah. Um, and who knows, if this works somewhere down the track, we might be able to afford cocaine. But at the <laughs> moment, the budget, the budget doesn't run that deep. So, uh, so well, what we're going to do is you're going to be filmed in this embarrassing situation, but you're going to absolutely kill Marty and Bartel because <laughs> we're going to rack you up a line of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Forget the plate, actually. Right. We're going to do it. Have you got a, a big countertop at home? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try and do a four-foot one for you. Yeah, Al, oh, Al, Al Pacino yeah. Scarface style. Yeah, actually, it'll be like a worldwide TikTok sensation. <laughs> the Aussie rock star that snorted a line taller than himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're, you're going to get busted. <laughs> having a line of coke, you may as well have one that's about four foot long. I reckon it's a good idea. So uh, people see the photo and they're not so much shocked that you're doing cocaine, but they're shocked at the size of the line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, well, correct. I mean, people weren't shocked at the cocaine. They were shocked that there were two people in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, didn't you, in the Sunday papers, it says, Nadia Bartel, minus $5,452 for the fine, plus yep. 6,000 new followers. Yeah. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna shit on that. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna but that's, of course, only if we accidentally post it on our Instagram account. Yeah, accidentally on purpose. We can do that. We can do, we can do a Shane Mumford. <laughs> yes. 
Actually, he didn't go. Out, he didn't go at the bang I expected him to. But we'll get to that later. Um, it's been a been a most interesting week in in these in the celebrity world. Accidentally posting on your Instagram account. Have you ever done that, Brian? No, no. Uh, I've, 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 I've posted things I've regretted, but um, <laughs> yeah. in fact, most of the stuff I post on um, social media, I end up regretting. So but, you could um, you could finish up with a fine for that one you put up on Facebook where you were out at. At five past nine or whatever it was. No, that was done. That was done. You know, with trick photography. Kids. Ah, okay. That was that was uh, what do they call that? Photoshopped. Uh, it was um, yeah, green screened and uh, oh, you know, aren't, CGI. Aren't all you of that, clever? Yeah. Well, oh yeah, had oh, me yeah. had me fooled, Brian. I thought it was real. Look. <laughs> You can't put through beyond reasonable doubt, and um, and I'm telling you right now, I do use green screen and chroma key yep. and uh, fake the Brian, well, did you break? Did you break curfew? Now you know the problem. If you break curfew, you can't go to Bunnings to get anything to fix it. No, no, <laughs> you're not allowed. Oh, you're the bloke that broke curfew. Oh well, now we're all stuck. Yep, now we're going to be in lockdown until <laughs> the end of October or something. Yeah. Oh please! Yes, yeah. and you know the tragedy of that. We're not going to have yeah. the, we're not going to have the logies to look at because they've been cancelled too. And now that Nardi has been busted, my supplies cut out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness me! You well, know where, where am I going to get my cocaine from now? Oh, I don't know, Brian. <laughs> I really, I really, really don't know. Um, <laughs> And then the you know the logies get cancelled and then and then the big the Melbourne ob- Observatory wheel is no longer it the, they've turned the lights off it stopped it's not going anymore it's being sold off. Well, well it's, per- it's permanently closed, is it? Yeah, I believe so. And what are they going to do? And what does that mean? Where do, they just unhinge it and roll it down Footscray Road? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just let the voice in Braybrook know that there's a there's a, a you know ornamental wheel available. <laughs> They'll knock it off and have it on chocks somewhere in the back of Braybrook by five o'clock this afternoon. If you tell them, they can't even really leave it there. What are they doing with it? Don't know. I, I'm I, I'm assuming that they'll either sell it as a wheel to some you know, other city that wants to have one of those things that I would never go on if, if my life depended on it, um, or they'll dismantle it and do whatever you do with a great big giant wheel. I don't know. <laughs> Can I ask it, Brian, right. you, Brian, did you ever go on it? Yeah, I did. Um, I did a gig for the Melbourne City Council or something, Melbourne's birthday or something, and they wanted to do uh, some press in the wheel. And I don't know, I, um, you know, I'm good with rides, but this particular day I was feeling crook and I couldn't get off the thing for 45 minutes. And as soon as I got off it, I threw up. But, um, <laughs> look, I thought this thing. <laughs> There's a wonderful advertisement for the wheel. No, no, one, no, I wonder why it's closing down. <laughs> well, I, I was just having a bad day stomach wise, but, you know, it, it was a terrible idea from the word go. And it's done nothing but hemorrhage money. Remember when it finally was finished and then they found all the cracks in it and then they'd have to go and fix it again for another two years. And, yep. you know, it's about 45 bucks to get on it. How much to oh, get really? on? <laughs> yeah, it was really dear to get on. And, and really, the view wasn't that good. My view at, um, when I saw it at Sportsbet was heaps better than anything yep. you could see on that thing. Are you telling me that you weren't satisfied with paying $45 to see the roof of Costco? <laughs> well, the thing is, what the makes it Costco roof? <laughs> what makes it even worse is that I didn't even have to pay to go on it. It was a publicity thing. But even free, I thought, well, this is kind of shit. <laughs> and, um, I've got the perfect use for it. Right. right. That's a good idea. So... You, you, you number it, you put numbers all around it, and you spin it. And it's the giant. It's like that. Da, 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 And the big wheel's back. Yeah, there you go. Right. That'll we'll work. Baby, we'll get baby face John Burgess to host it. Yep. Yeah, or, you know, it's, it's, it's like Don's big 
just it'd be great to have the big wheel and the spinning around every how often would you spin it? And then just push it when the car comes up. You just push it a couple further because yeah, you you've already you, on it. You've already given away the three cars for the year, so you can't give away another one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, oh, we've won the no, you've won three hundred dollars worth of hairdressing from Terence Marini. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. You've won the luggage. There's always luggage. Yeah, that's right. You haven't won the trip. You haven't even <laughs> won the luggage. You've won the car park spot. At the airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a fair bit of, fair bit of uh, creative accounting going on with that, I would have thought. It'd be, yeah. a pretty, it'd be a pretty slow show because I think it takes 45 minutes to do one revolution. Did you? Uh, see, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, That'll be, oh, you know, there, there's a show, and I've watched it on YouTube. <laughs> you can only have this in England, but it was hugely popular. It, it ran for like 15 years. And then it went off air and it came back on. It's called Bullseye. Have you ever heard of Bullseye? No. Is it a Japanese show? No, no. It's an English oh, okay. combo. You have a team of two and it's a combination of quiz answers and darts. All right. Oh, boy. So one, one sort of – oh, well, you, so you both have to answer questions and throw darts and whatever. Um, they actually had two famous contestants on it if you look at it on YouTube. One was a very young. I don't know. Did you ever see a quiz show called Egghead? Oh, vaguely. Yeah, no, I, have, I have seen that. Yes, that's where they get the four best quiz champions in England, and they take on teams. Um, but one of the women in that actually started her quiz life with her husband on that show. But the most famous contestant was a guy that turned out to be one of England's most notorious serial killers. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you look up Bullseye Serial Killer, if any of the listeners look that up, it's pretty sort of, so, you know. So, no, now, now finally, don't tell me you killed people with darts. No, no, no. But with, with sort of um, sniper, he, he would set himself up as a sniper. So not, oh, you God. know, not dissimilar. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because, they used to have, at the end of a show, you'd win prizes. Quite, you could win quite a lot of prizes. You could risk them all and go to the showcase oh, the, behind the curtain, you know. And it often was a small car or a trip overseas. Yeah. And one night they open up, they got the, the pair risked everything, including cash and whatever. So they'd won about 3,000 quid and a few prizes. And they open it up and it's like $2,000 worth of, 2,000 pounds worth of menswear. And the contestant uh, goes, that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was his reaction on air. Or oh, that shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I like that. Actually, that's I'd, like to my own, I'd like to have my own game show. Oh, here we go. Goes, it's got a twist to it. So the show starts off saying, Kevin Hillier, you're playing tonight. Now, Kevin, here's your luxury home. Here's your new swimming pool. Here's your brand new car. Here's your trip overseas. Now, let's play. And as you play, you lose those things. Oh. And that's good. And the show's called, and when you've lost everything, all the audience yells out, you get nothing. <laughs> and that's what the show's called. You get nothing. You get you nothing. Yeah, you start off, here's your new car. Here's your house. It's like. Well, how, how about it even better? Not your new car or your new house. All right, Kevin, here's your house. Here's your car. Here's your wife. Here's your job. Are you ready to lose everything? And be <laughs> oh, terrific. Oh, what, a, what a cheery show that would be. Can, can you, hey, Brian, in your, in your kind of, uh, you know, uh, pitch for this program, what happens if, you know, at the end of the intro and you say, here's your this, and he's, I go, okay, I want to retire now. Can I retire or do I have to play? No, you, you can't. You uh, can't. Right. But nobody goes go. away empty-handed. When you've lost your house and your car and your, your trip overseas and your, your luggage, you know, the, the host says to you, Kev, well, Kev, it's a bit of bad luck for you, but you're not going away empty-handed. Here's a big cardboard box that you can go and live in. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Well, it works. Not totally heartless. Yes. Well, how about this? 
Nobody goes away empty-handed. Why are you looking, Kevin? We got a hole in your pocket, so you can stick your hand <laughs> in your pocket and, <laughs> and and become a left nut scratcher. That job's taken. <laughs> uh, and just so you can buy a cup of coffee, here's twenty baht from Indonesia. Uh, goodness me! Well, that's—I'm not quite sure we'll get that program up uh, and running, but God knows, you never know. Anything's uh, possible. Both. Why not? Why not? You know, they've got tipping points where they yeah. turn, you know, that coin thing from the I arcade. Don't mind. I, I like that show. I don't know what. So do I. I like it too. And yeah. my mum loves it. So yeah. the one thing I often do with mum, I go over there at three o'clock and we watch tipping points. Yep. Yeah. That, that host, he loves, he loves cuddling the guests. He's yes, he does. He's all right. He's all right. He reminds me a bit of a young Craig Bellamy or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah I can see that. I like him. I don't even. Know, I don't even know his name. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, yeah, I, 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 like like, him. I don't mind. I don't mind the show. And so my mum, my mum watches it. Yeah, she's ninety-one. Um, I guess you get to that age. And what what does she often say? It's rich. Um, Oh, it's ripped. Oh. <laughs> oh, how, how can't they fall? <laughs> Nine cents over the edge. She goes, it must be magnet. <laughs> There's something in there because you do look at it and go, why haven't they fallen? And then you you wonder when the next bloke goes and pushes it and 17 of them fall down. And that, that. No, I, I quite like that show. It's one of the few ones. So, so, not bad. So uh, there's always a Gilbo story floating around. I've got a great Gilbo story. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember during summer, oh, this still happens a bit if you go down the foreshore, down towards Rosebud and that. I used to love these at Phillip Island. You have those sort of travelling carnivals. Yeah. Yep. They've got the side show. You know, they set the whole thing up with yeah. side show alley and rides. They won the envelope yeah. every year. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed them. Um, I don't think Gilbo used to get away much from holiday, so there must have been one near Footscrow in Bradford, I don't know. But he said there was one one summer, and him and his mates got sort of uh, obsessed with that, because that, that tipping point thing, that's been going on for ages. Yeah. And, and there was one with coins in it, but also on stands, watches. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, and they, it's the same sort of thing, you'd, in, but the bloody thing had never tipped. Anyhow, um, Gilbo and his mate wanted to sort of rock the thing back and forward, but he couldn't <laughs> do that. Yes. So he, they invented, he, he said, you know, they'd gone back and they'd done something with a coat hanger and, a, and, a, and they were trying to get in through the outdoor, as it were, yeah. and, hook, and hook, onto the, um, hook onto the watch. So he was oh. down there with a coat hanger. Next thing he knows, bang, he reckons he got thrown... 10 feet on his ass, biggest electrical shock he's ever had in his life. <laughs> oh. And the entire, the entire, you know, fun fair, every ride, everything, the whole thing blacked out. Oh. Right. Oh. <laughs> and him and his mate, you know, Gilbo with his hair all frizzed and whatever, just <laughs> high-tailed it out of there. They had short circuited, then blown a fuse or something, and the entire thing went out. Uh, <laughs> oh. That is typical Gilbo. That is beautiful. Yeah. Very good. I love it. I love it. Now let's uh, let's get to the footy for the from the weekend. Uh, then we'll get to our chart this week, incidentally, which we put up on the Facebook uh, page, is from the week of the 13th of May, 1984. Is there some undesirable uh, types in the uh, in this top fifty, this Aria top fifty chart, but we'll get to them shortly. Um, what do you make of the footy on the weekend? I I loved it. I know Mannix has got uh, a theory on why the Bulldogs won, but I want to go to you first, Finey. Uh, your summation of the two big games in the because uh, we we start uh, NRL finals this weekend, but your two big AFL games. What you what you make of both of them on the weekend? Well, obviously they were very contrasting affairs. Oh, One yeah. of them was sort of. Ho-hum, not just the margin, but the standard wasn't brilliant, I don't reckon. And the other one was one for the ages, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, first of all, well done, Geelong. They got their criticisms. I don't reckon they'll win this week, but they've been up there for a long time. They've been a pretty relevant team, not bad. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Effort by GWS. They had a lot of injuries during the year, so they were naught and three. Good effort to make the finals, I must admit. 
And Brisbane Bulldogs, that could have gone either way. That was a, a sort of bit of a heartbreak for Brisbane, but a, a ripping game of football. And I tell you what, I was thinking of you, Brian. Yes. Um, Why was that? Do you know the meaning of the German word schadenfreude? Uh, enjoying somebody else's misery? Yeah. Yeah, Joe Danaher. Sorry? Joe Danaher? Oh, yeah. Yeah, stuff him. Stuff him. <laughs> yeah. I was right there for Trader. Trader. I knew it. What did you think of the umpiring in that game? Oh, Fine. here we go. Oh, was, I, look, there were probably went doggy. No, you know what? It was a great game of football. It really was. Take decent umpiring to make a great game of footy. Now, there were a couple of decisions I didn't agree with. Right. Probably the worst of them went against the Bulldogs. That intentional out of bounds against Caleb Daniel. Oh. That just shows no feel for the game. That that that's like well, I don't get it. You know. Yep. Of course that's well, anyhow. But yeah, I I'm less worried about the umpiring, more about that it was just a really good game of footy and either team would have been unlucky. What do what do you reckon? Oh, I fell asleep during the whole thing, which is Stupid, but when I saw that they'd won by a point, I thought, "Oh, I bet the umpires have got them across the line." So I rang Lucky Phil, and he reckoned that the umpire was crook, small dogs all night. But then I spoke to some other people, and they reckon that Brisbane probably had the better rub of the green in the first half, and Geelong and uh, Butch Bulldogs got a better run in the second half. But then somebody else said to me, "Lucky Neal lost the game for them by missing three freaking goals." Yeah, right. you'd find a million moments in there that you could you could uh, drag out. I I and obviously I'm biased, but I didn't really. Yeah. I thought there were some dodgy umpiring decisions. I'll be honest. I will say that. And the Caleb Daniel one was uh, an obvious one for a bulldog supporter. But I, uh, I I again, and I think the text I sent to you, Brian, was watch the game, not the umpires. And I reckon we spend too much time looking for reasons why things are happening rather than just enjoying the game. I. I right till the very I was on my feet at the end, jumping up and down, and not not in exhilaration, more in just bloody come on, come on, one of those sort of finishes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a, as a game. Uh, would I feel that way if the, the result had been the other way? Probably not quite as, but I just thought it was a really good game of footy. Uh-huh. really exciting game yeah. of footy to watch that had bits and pieces of everything. And if bits and pieces yeah, of everything means that you have. A, a dodgy umpiring decision here, and a good umpiring decision there, and a terrific goal there, and a you know a hard contest. So I thought it had, uh, I thought it had uh, the whole gamut of everything you want out of a football game was right there in that match. All right. Yep. Who they got next week? Port, Port Adelaide. Two very good games: uh, the Cats and Melbourne, uh, and then the Dogs and Port Adelaide. So uh, some games that. Uh, they played each other this year a couple of times, and uh, the results have been been pretty close for the most part. So they're lining up as uh, as terrific games, really good games. I would have thought. Um, so we'll do the, we'll do the tips now. Uh, who do you like in the Cats and the and uh, the Melbourne game? I think you've already kind of alluded to the fact, finally, that you don't reckon the Cats can win. No, no Melbourne for mine comfortably. Comfortably. Oh yeah. Ah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've got to be honest. Selwood and Dangerfield are gone. I mean, Dangerfield might be a bit injured. Selwood's just not up to AFL standards. Now, you can't possibly have them compete against Oliver and Petrarca, who are two of the best five players in the comp at the moment. Now, no, you don't like Selwood, but what are you basing that he's finished on? Oh, he had, 10, he had 13 possessions on the weekend, and none of them went anywhere. He's just a, he's sort of a bit slow, and it's just that I don't like him. I think he's been... An, an, Great footballer, yep. but he's following the old path of a bit slower, not as strong, and a whole lot angrier because that's sort of what happens to players. Yeah. They get a bit, a, a bit snipey when they can't do what they used to do, and he's just not an effective midfielder anymore. Yeah, I agree and with Matt you about Gord, the tracker and Oliver. Matt Gord's a top ruckman, and Geelong barely have a ruckman. Yeah, it's there. It's if I think the doggies addressed their ruck problems last week, but yeah, obviously Reece Stanley and um, uh, well, whoever else they they finish up playing. I'm not quite sure with the radical ear or probably be radical. Yeah, probably be. Yeah, yeah, it'd be those two. I would imagine Stanley and radical ear. Yeah, they're not going to be a match for uh, for Max. That's for sure. Brian, who are you tipping in the Cats and the the Melbourne game? Uh, 
Um, well, I've always said I don't want to see the Cats in the grand final. I've seen them in enough grand finals, so I'll be going to Melbourne. I'll be going for Melbourne, not for that reason, but I just think Melbourne are going to uh, – they're a good side, really good side. they got uh, – hey, Fonny, how is it that those two blokes up the back who've dominated all year and everyone talks about all year, and the fact is everyone has noticed it, everyone has seen what they do, Lever and May, and, and just gone, how do they continue to get the space that they get in that back line given the way coaches normally coach and stop that kind of stuff? How do they keep doing that? Well, I think because they're both very, very good intercept marks and that means that one of them takes the responsibility for spoiling normally lever, but they can at any time one of them peel off their opponent and, and intercept mark. Now, I agree. If you've got one player doing that down back to the opposition, you're going to stop it, which means I expect the Bulldogs to put a lot of homework into a lear a lear. Oh, when yeah. you've got two... When you've got two, you can't really stop it because you've still got to play your own brand of attacking football. There's no way you could lock down on two defenders and basically you sort of almost, you almost concede the airways to them. You have to. Yep. You're going to have to say, you know what, we can't just dob it up there. We're either going to have to pinpoint our passing or play some of these chaos balls into the ground. But the good thing for Geelong is that actually that's their style of play. It's slow, methodical, pinpoint. So they are a team that is quite comfortable taking their time and, and trying to hit up a player, whereas the Doggies do bomb the ball a lot. I think hoping for Norton and used to Josh Bruce and even English being up there. Um, if they happen to beat Port, and they played Melbourne in the grand final, they cannot do that because I, that, that's why they got pants earlier on in the year. I know they turned it around, but I, I think they probably learned their lesson. You cannot bomb it up to Melbourne. Yep. Uh, the Dogs and Port is the other game, and you mentioned Aaliyah Aaliyah, who uh, the Doggies just seemed to kick it to the other week every time. Either they were kicking it to him or he's just the best reader of, uh, of play that I've ever seen in my life and is the quickest bloke ever. He just kept getting to every contest. So, Dogs and Port, who do you like, Brian? Yeah, that Alira Lear, he's good, isn't he? He, he killed Essendon when we played them. Yep. Um, but, um, as I said, I don't want to see a Port Adelaide long grand final. My ideal grand final would be Bulldogs Melbourne. So, I'll go to the Doggies. Okay. Why don't you get a time to say and go back to 1954? Yeah, exactly. It was, wasn't it? Um, it was 1954 when they, those two played. Uh, who do you like in the uh, the Doggies and Port game, Finding? You'd have to be old. If the Doggies and Melbourne made the grand final, you'd have to be an old bloke and a, and a bit of a sort of a, a, a bruge. But imagine somebody saying, again? <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, not, no. a star, not again. Even before, <laughs> even before my time, that 54 grand final. Um, yeah, yeah, that's before my um, – I, I think Port Adelaide at home would probably edge it out, mainly because they're playing at home. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I think Bon and Pelly's uh, either in or out or in with an injury or whatever there's going to going to have a big effect and and they're going to miss young Waitman as well up forward. He, oh, that's a big loss, Waitman. He's a spark plug. He's a he's a, a sort of a little fire starter in that forward line. Uh, can take a mark, can score a goal. Um, I don't. No one springs into my head that that takes his place that does the same job. Johannesson came off as the medical sub last week, came on as the medical sub last week. Um, yeah, so something not- really unusual could happen. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? No. Right. Well, I can tell you that they have basically told Miss Wallace to look elsewhere next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they might have to play him. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll be honest, and so I'd completely forgotten about Mitch until I saw him on the ground after the game, shaking everyone's hand and hugging everyone after the game. I went, oh, that's Mitch. I'd f- completely forgotten he was um, there. So, yeah, they might have to play him. Not sure. I doubt it. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if they do. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, well, what's his name? The guy that they were playing earlier on in the year. Well, I don't think it'll be Patrick Lipinski because by what I can no, get. Wrong. 
um, the guy from South Australia. The Scott. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that's the most obvious one who has played in the forward line and, and played pretty well. But uh, yeah, yep. so I, I'm surprised that Patrick Lipinski can't find a, a way into there. Could be Riley West. He's the other one that uh, might bob up, but I, I don't think it'll be him either. But we'll see. I'm obviously going for the dog, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Now we move on. Uh, we move on now to uh, the chart for this week. But before we do, a couple of comments from last week. And this this week, I have to say, I've got about six pages of um, – because we put the chart for this coming week up. Uh, I put it up on the Facebook page and the Twitter account uh, about 48 hours ago, and uh, the response has been unbelievable. People picking their favourite three uh, and uh, least favourite three from this 1984 chart. Um, so we'll get to them. But a couple of comments from last week. Uh, based on your small faces, Ichiku Park comment from last week, Brian. Yes. Johnny Purchase says, Brian Mannix is dead to me. <laughs> so that, <laughs> well, that didn't go down terribly well. Your Ichiku Park. Well, um, analysis. there you go. And uh, Darren Shard liked uh, liked the response I gave to you when I told you to take a huge bucket of piss right off. So right. <laughs> clearly you didn't because you're still here. Um, now this this top fifty from this week is uh, is Jesus full of some funny, strange, weird songs in the uh, yeah. Uh, now, this is controversial chart, this one, which I didn't know until I did a bit of uh, sort of fact-checking on it. This was the first of the ARIA charts that came out um, that did not include countdown. Up until this, the ARIA charts had always been the official countdown chart, but on the 13th of May 1984, ARIA gave countdown the flick because clearly by 1984, countdown was a totally different show to the powerhouse it had been in the uh, in the seventies and in the early part of the eighties, it had turned into, quite frankly, a bit of a bit of a sham by nineteen eighty four. So they flipped. No, the countdown chart. was countdown was still going good. The Aria chart, they're the biggest bullshit charts ever. <laughs> in that, no, they are. They the record company got sick of countdown having so much power, and they got sick of the three Y charts and stuff. So they made their own chart, Australian Record Industry Association chart. Right. And it's so full of shit in that, suppose I've got Kevin Hillier's new record. Well, I go and ship out 30,000 units of that record to all of the shops. Nobody freaking buys it, but it doesn't matter because I've put 30,000 out to the shop. That goes down as if it's a sale. So it's really just a bullshit chart so that record companies can manipulate the chart to promote their artists. Is that when that started? Uh, Is that when that sale, yeah. of, that sale of return thing, because there was a standing joke in the industry where you'd ship platinum but you'd actually, or you'd ship gold but you'd come back sale of return as platinum. The more it'd come back, the yeah. went out. No, it would, they'd ship out, say, gold status. Yeah. But it wouldn't sell gold status. No. They, they treated it as if it was gold status. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, it's, oh, I think it's the ARIA charts. It's um, a group of big companies looking after their own interests, and I don't think that they're the right people to be um, assessing sales of um, records because they've all got a vested interest in them, and they don't mind cheating. Okay. There you go. Okay. Interesting. There no, you in, go. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, uh, you know, the time of obviously the the music industry uh, then, because uh, I I can remember all the you know the kind of snide comments about things being in the chart because of what they'd been what had been put in the stores, not what yeah. was not what was going out of the stores. Exactly right. Because I know I know. Exactly right. Right. I've got to tell you both. Now I'm listening, and that's bloody interesting. It is. Yeah. That conversation to my kids, do you know what that would sound like? Yeah, <laughs> fire. Ooh, hot. Fire. Ooga, ooga, ooga. Like, they go, what's it class? Oh, so you're telling me a piece of paper, uh, where do people get you know, that influence of somebody? How did you find these stuff? Oh, they were some record shops and, and people collected these pieces of paper. I mean, my, my the only things. The only thing my kid would read 
would be a, a, a street sign or a stop sign. They just don't read anymore. It's a really paper, good point. That's for wiping, that's, that, paper's for wiping your backside, not for writing on. <laughs> that's a well, very, we've had a very few, good point. We've had, a, we've had a few charts that are worth wiping your backside with. Yep. Oh, well, here's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I reckon parts of this one would be perfect for it too. There's a, a few little, uh, you know, uh, envelopes you could take out of this one. It's a weird chart. Yeah. It's a really, really weird chart. But um, talk about full of uh, different – and this was – and you'd know this, Brian, uh, the first-hand knowledge of this. This was about the time when radio stations like 3XY and 2SM and 4IP and uh, and obviously we had the the – FM stations in at this stage, and they were they were powerhouses by this stage. Um, this was yeah. when uh, they stopped playing certain artists, or when they did play certain artists, they wouldn't announce them. Though we were, uh, this was around the stage at Three X Y, where I reckon we were still playing Madonna, but we weren't allowed to announce Madonna on the air. So we weren't allowed to say Madonna's coming up, or. Uh, you know that was Madonna, or this is Madonna. We weren't allowed to announce Madonna on the air. We just played it as if it was like uh, the silent but deadly Madonna, just slipped it in and went and then walked away. And this was – was this around the time when they stopped playing X-Men stuff or was that later? Nah, that was 86. Okay. Um, Yeah, 86. Madonna, Prince and us. Nah. Yep. You got the wrong demographic, get stuff. Doesn't matter what you do, we won't play you. Yeah, I'm sure we'd started to to not mention some of the artists that we were playing – um, around about this time, I was doing mornings at at Three X at this stage, and I'm pretty sure that it started with some of the stuff that they were playing. But anyway, yeah, right, let's good. get let's get to your list. Uh, your three bad and your three good. Oh goodness me! Finally, kick us off. All right, my first, my three bad, third bad. Um, hello. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, Is it me you're looking for? Mournful, you know, I mean, Lionel Richard happened to be, he, he's burned in my memory as part of the worst day of my life because he played before the 2010 grand final rematch that didn't work out all that well for my Saints. No. But how can somebody, look, he was in the Commodores. Yes. How can somebody that was in a band that sung the magnificent Brick House come up with this piece of shit? Anyhow, <laughs> you see, we're a in this chart. He didn't sing Brick. He didn't sing Brick House. He was demoted to some playing a triangle or something in that great. Song. That's right. So, um, this yeah. is a, it's the highest debuting single on this chart. A debut at number eighteen. Yeah. Well, only one word from me. Goodbye. Yes. So. Didn't Third they? Is a, yeah. I was going to say, didn't they turn "Hello" into an ad for like a fridge or something of recent times? Yeah, I think Lionel's in the fridge, yeah, having a beer ready for them. That, it's a beer or something, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what yeah. it's about. Good for. Yeah. I can't um, imagine Lionel on the pit. No. Can I say, in no. deference to him, he wasn't bad at the grand final. He was good. Oh, that was terrible that day. Yeah, I know. I know, I know it's it's soiled for you, but um, he was actually, yeah, I agree, Brian. He was pretty good. Well, we just had meatloaf fresh in our mind, hadn't we, the week before? Yeah, well, you, you know. Oh, no, no, meatloaf wasn't the week before, but uh, it was still tattooed on our brain how bad it was. It was great. Meatloaf was brilliant. Yeah, that was the highlight. <laughs> yeah, it's one of it's certainly a memorable moment. It was. Um, so my equal good... Yeah. Because they thought that, and you, again, you're going to think, really? But, very, very important song in the history of music Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is the first ever track with DJ scratching on it. Okay. Um, sort of the first hip hop song with that type of D. Well, it's the first ever, ever song. With a DJ on it to win a an Emmy, uh, not an Emmy, a Grammy. What do they win? Grammy. 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 Yeah. Yep. So first ever time there was DJ a DJ won a Grammy. Okay. It was the best. It was the best R and B song, I think. Um, but 
So it's a really interesting story behind this, just very quickly, because he, he was 40-odd years old. He was a member of the Miles Davis band. That's right. He was a blues pianist, Herbie Hancock. Um, but he'd heard some of this sort of DJ scratching. He liked it. He got together with somebody who put some thin there. They put these three – they laid three tracks over each other and put it on a cassette. And they were heading to the airport to try and flog – they're from New York, and they tried to flog it in L.A., on the way to the airport, they needed to pick up some audio equipment, so they went to a music store. And one of them said, I know the owner. I want to hear – they'd never heard the cassette. They'd only laid the track together, and they wanted to hear what it sounded like. So the owner played it, and the owner was in a shopping mall, and he had speakers outside the shop. And he's playing it, and by the end of the track, there were 60 or 70 kids that gathered around the speakers. Oh, wow. And they said, we might be onto something here. <laughs> oh, there you go. And it became a sort of genre of music. So I like that. And then I like sort of in that world is white lines. Don't do it. Um, Grandmaster it Flash. It says it's by Grandmaster Flash, but he has nothing to do with that, actually. It's a guy, Melvin, somebody called Melly Mel. Um, but you'd know that song. I don't know if you know it, but it was sampled by Big Audio Dynamite in their first hit. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know that song, The Horses Are On The Track? Yep. Dun, 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 yeah, dun. yeah, yeah. So all that bit before that is actually from this song, White Line. And there was oh. a, a, and there's some, there's definitely one of our music video shows at that time used it in their intro. I can't remember which one. Oh, okay. Anyhow. So they're both pretty sort of influential. Yep. Yep. Yep, no, certainly knew Herbie Hancock was a bit of a pioneer in that area. Brian, three, yep. number three, number three, good, bad. Um, bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Halen jumped. Ooh. I can't stand this song. It absolutely shits me. You've got <laughs> the greatest guitarist possibly on the planet, and you come along to see him, and here he is playing pretty basic organ. It's like, what the hell are you doing? You're a guitar band. You don't suddenly turn into a keyboard band especially when you're such a great guitarist. No, that's just poor. It just wasn't Van Halen for me. It was just shit house because of all of the keyboards. Yep. Okay. So that's the bad one. And my good one. Re- don't you reckon, you know, around that time there were a lot of my favourite team movies like um, Animal House and, and mm-hmm. Caddyshack and all of them? Yep. Don't you re- and, and Police Academy. Don't you reckon in Police Academy there should have been a scene where somebody was jumping off a building and the police negotiator turns up, but in his car he's playing a cassette of Jump. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Put the window down. You might as well jump. Jump. <laughs> Off you go. Very good. And my good one, mm-hmm. um, I don't think this is the best version of it, but I do love the song. It's Bet Midlow with Beast of Burden, the old Rolling Stones track. Oh, really? Oh, I love that song. Um, I don't, as I said, I don't think the best version is the best, but it's pretty faithful to the original. And um, yeah, I can put up with Bet because I like the song so much. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, right. The big surprise there, Brian. I didn't did not expect to hear you mention Bet Midler's name in in your good list. Ah, uh, the Stones outweighs Bet Midler. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I think Bet's got a great voice. I've not necessarily always been, you know, uh, overly enthused by some of the songs, but, um, but, but as a voice and as a live act, she's as good as anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, she's good entertainer. Oh, Who's that? Bet Midler. Who's that? Bet Midler. You know what you've got to say after Bet Midler? What? Always gamble responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I saw her. <laughs> I saw her when she bought her um, Doris DeLargo, the Toast of Chicago um, show out, and she was she's a terrific performer. But she didn't make my list uh, either good or bad. My number three bad uh, is right up the top of the uh, the old list here because some of the stuff up the top of the list is absolutely awful. It's the number nine song on this chart. It's Marilyn's calling your name. My oh, yeah. God, what an awful song. Um, and uh, just he came out here, I don't know if you remember, that he toured in 1984, 
Yeah. And, and the most memorable part of the tour was he was on air with Johnny Peters on uh, on Eon FM at the time, I think, uh, nights. John was doing nights. Uh, and and Marilyn's uh, come in. The, I wasn't at Eon. I was at XY at this stage. But uh, most, most memorable uh, when uh, John introduced uh, Marilyn, uh, Marilyn said, you know what? You know what would look good on you? And John obviously being, you know, John said, no, what? He said, me. And that's, <laughs> that's where the interview started to, started to fall apart a little, as did, as did John, I think, at the time. So uh, that's my number three bad, calling your name by, uh, by Marilyn. And my number three good uh, is a song that we, I've talked about a lot on this podcast. And I really like it as a song. Just edged out a couple of others, but uh, Blue Day by My Six, I reckon, is a great song. Oh, yes. Oh, good. Yes. Yes. Did I get Zumpia? Oh, I apologise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all right. No. Just, on, just on Marilyn mm-hmm. at the, um, I think it must be the 1984 Countdown Awards. Yeah, I had to give out. I had to give out an award. And I got up there and I said, look, you know, it's been a fantastic year for Australian music. Um, men at work going fantastically overseas and in excess going great guns overseas. But I said, but to me, the highlight and the greatest thing that happened in Australian music this year was when some bloke down at King's Cross punched Marilyn in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and that was went over very well at the um, at the Countdown Rock Awards. Oh, I bet. But you should have seen the letters in the Countdown magazine and <laughs> shit that I got. All <laughs> oh, the Marilyn fans, oh, were they filthy on me. Oh, well, bad Oh, yes. There you go. Imagine if imagine if you – well, you wouldn't be able to say that on account of Wood now, would you? I would. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bloody hell, I would. Yeah, well, the, the Ricky Gervais uh, principle, uh, you know, uh, say whatever you like as long as you own it. You just have to cop the, uh, the you know, the yeah. ramifications of what you say. Oh, I'd do it again, Kev. I'd do it again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think that's uh, it's perfectly fine. Um, right, right. finally, number two. All right, I'm trying to think of things that go well together. Mm. Um, well, back in the day, vodka and cigarettes. <laughs> yes. Uh, strawberries and ice cream are good. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know what doesn't go well together? No. Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. To me, it sounds, to me, it always sounded like Steffi Ballesteros and Fuzzy Zella. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so all the girls. I loved before, you know. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. You know. <laughs> who's who's getting slut shamed in that song? Oh, are the fellas getting slut shamed, or are the girls getting slut shamed? Well, Willie Nelson in the films has got ponytails, so who knows? <laughs> yes. I dedicate this song to you. I do. I do. Came along. Now, yeah. Yeah. Who? Uh, my penis is so long. Oh, I know that that sounds wrong. <laughs> I love you, hate you, love you, hate you, love you, hate you. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, that's what, oh, it, that's yeah. what it lacked. That's if only they'd sampled Shirley Bassey halfway through that uh, to all the girls. <laughs> my save the day. I love <laughs> you, hate you, love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be good in that song. It would. All the girls I love before. I love you, hate you, love you. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> would be a he said, she said song, which is exactly what you need. Um, yeah. All right, so what's your number two good, Fanny? So my number two good, and look, it's not a great chart, so. No. Um, and I know, <laughs> I don't think Brian likes this song, mm. but actually, I don't mind it. I just hate that I'm going to have to say the title. Oh, here we go. All right, here we go. By Mondo Rock at 49. Ah, uh, yeah. Come, said the boy. No giggle, Come, right? The no giggle? Oh, he's disgusting, kid. <laughs> absolutely unnecessary. <laughs> I, I, I not, like it. I, not since like Marcia Hines came in with your husband <laughs> still brings me to my knees. Uh, yes. Down said the boy. Uh, 
lot of people love that stuff. Oh, I, I like do. It. I do. It's coming. It's 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 further up the list on mine, and we only got a list of three, so you know where it is for me. Wow. Yep. Yep. I really yeah. I've always, always liked it. Watched the clip last night. Trying to work out uh, in the clip, only uh, Eric McCusker and Ross, the, the other three members of the band, was sitting in the back of a car. Um, uh, you couldn't see them. Yeah, they were having a bonk. <laughs> well, they could have been doing anything. They could have been having a bonk um, for all we know because you couldn't see them. They were just like figures in the background on the St Kilda Beach, I think it was, um, uh, until the very end when they all jumped in the car and drove off and even then you couldn't tell who they, they were. were. They were like a bunch of homeless people having sex in your car. <laughs> well, could very well have been. Could very well have been. Uh, no, good choice, Fonny. Uh, uh, I like that one. Now, you're, be, you're number two. Be, hang on. be careful. We found a mouse inside, a live mouse inside a condom in there. <laughs> Stop it. Now, um, <laughs> you're number two, Mannix. Oh, dear. Uh, um, did he do his bad one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the girls. No, it was a good one. All the guys, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, my bad one is going to be. I, now I couldn't read the title of the person who does this song. Yeah. But just the title enough just to make you know that it's just shitful. <laughs> politics of dancing. Oh, hang on. In fact, goes the politics of dancing. Is that how it goes? It's reflex. Yeah, it's a good song. Almost made my good list. Oh come on, Kim. Politics no. of dancing. What a pretentious title. You know, on one hand, we want it to be a dance number, but we want to look intelligent, so we'll call it politics of dancing. No, it's a, what a bunch of wankers. It sounds like a Bowie song that didn't make it on or that should have made it onto sort of the modern love album. Well, that's a shit album too, kid. <laughs> yeah, I said it should have made it on the album because it's better than half the stuff that is on the album. Oh, it's good. I like politics of dancing. No, 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 it's going nowhere for All right. me. All right, uh, what's All right. your number two good then? Um, well, yeah, it was going to be Blue Day by My Sex. Oh, well, that can still be Blue Day by My Sex, that's fine. Oh, I'll, I'll go with Blue Day yeah. by My Sex. I'm yeah. good friends with Steve, he's a lovely bloke, and um, that's a good song. Under, <laughs> underrated song, that one. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, uh, much better than computer games or a couple of things they had bigger hits with. Um Number two for me in the bad thing is a country singer. Uh, her Ooh. name is Deborah Allen, and it's this dreary, absolute piece of uh, dog vomit called "Baby I Ooh. Lied." Uh, I'd forgotten about it and had to listen to it. And she only ever—I don't think that was the only ever crossover hit she ever had. Um, but that uh, that edged out a few others. It's just an awful, awful song. Awful lyrics. Everything about country music that people hate is epitomised in that song by that woman. And oh, that woman. Yeah, that woman, Deborah Allen. That not, woman, that not, dreadful woman. Not to be confused with uh, the Debbie Allen who was in fame as a, as a dancer. Don't be nah. confused. And, nah. and my number two is the formula of this band that I probably enjoyed the most in their, in their time when Mossy sings – and then Jimmy comes in, and then Mossy sings again, and then Jimmy comes in. That's the kind of format of the of uh, Chisel uh, I, I always enjoyed. And my number two is Saturday Night. Is um, oh well, our, our our top three are the same, nearly. Except I've got Beast and Bird, and then yeah. you've got something else. Yeah, yeah, I've, but the other two are the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, Saturday night. I just it's it just a good song, just a terrific song, and I and I love when Mossy sings and then Jimmy sings. I reckon Bow River and and that one have, that they've really they got it nutted there. Now number one for you, funny. No one's gazumped you, so you've got something outside the box here. What do you got for us? Number one, good and bad. All right, so number one, bad. I just I just want to say that I hate the song Footloose. I hate the song Holiday. <laughs> I mean, I hate a lot of these songs, to be honest. I, 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 you know, I'm barely a Michael Jackson fan, but certainly Thriller was the most overrated, overblown pack of shit I've ever heard. <laughs> oh. But so these are the ones he hasn't put in number one, incidentally. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it's, I feel a bit bad because I reckon this. She's fantastic, this bird, but she's never should have released a single. In fact, 
I'm surprised she did release the single because the last I saw of her, she was getting her head squashed in the press by B. Smith. Wow. Speaking sports of oh. Margot Gap, a.k.a. Jane Clifton. Oh, Girl on the Wall. Oh, with Girl on the Wall, in which she proves that not only can she barely sing, she can't dance because she does a lot of walking on and off stage and around Melbourne into into some sort of makeshift disco where Colette Mann is dancing for some reason. Right. Oh. Okay. Um, but it's just a, a, you know, look, she tried, whatever. But she's a good actor. Do you know where she was born, actually? No, I don't. Gibraltar. Oh, really? Okay. Didn't know yeah. that. And you, and you wonder she rocks. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah you good. think you'd be able to rock. Very good. More on Jane shortly. Uh, now, your number one good one? Okay. So, my number one good one, um, well, the, who's the only person missing? If you've got Margot Gaffney and you've got Colette Mann, I can't remember her character on Prisoner. No, neither can then I. Then he gets hit. No. Yeah, no, she wasn't really no, that was That was for Joan, whatever her name was. So, yeah, but Colette Mann was... Do you, know, do you remember Colette Mann's original love interest on Prisoner? Was it Jared no. Maguire? That no, was Frankie Doyle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Well, before Frankie jumped off the roof of Channel 10 in Nunawaddy. Yes. Yes. Maybe she was Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, you got to go relax. Yeah. Oh, I love relax as a song. Oh, and wow. you know what? You know what? With all these songs that we've had with, Titles that are sort of innuendo come said the boy and on my knees by Marsha Hines <laughs> and everything that makes my mate Brian giggle. Mm-hmm. This is the one song that had no innuendo. Mm-hmm. Relax, don't do it. When you when- want to get to it, relax, don't do it. When you want to come, I mean, there was not a lot of subtlety to it. No, no. But- yeah, but I, for that period, I really liked Frankie Go to. That, there were three songs I loved of theirs. You know, Two Tribes Go to War, yeah. Relax, and then The Power of Love. And I just thought they were all really good songs. Okay. Produced by Trevor Horn, who's a genius. The Buggers. Um, but yeah, Relax, I can't cop Relax. It's, it's about gay sex. And it's just, oh, somebody wanted me to sing it in the band, and I just said, no, I'm not singing that. No. no. Okay. In the band or in the bed? No, it was like <laughs> the band I was doing was doing covers. They said, oh, we'll do this one. I said, I'm not singing that. No way. You know, I've got enough people think I'm gay as it is without freaking adding fire to the petal to the fire. Oh, and in my, in my apologies in the bad list, mm-hmm. I've got to put this in because I absolutely can't stand the singer. Wouldn't it be good? But then I thought, I've never seen Nick Kershaw and Brian Mannix in the same room together. So oh, uh, fair enough. Uh, Nick Kershaw nearly made my good list. Or well, made my good list, but nearly made my final three. I didn't mind that. Yeah. I didn't mind that. I don't mind that song. Yeah, quite mm. like that song. Uh, all right. So, uh, Brian, your number three, your number one good is Saturday night. That's right. And your number one and bad my- is what? Wow. I've been to Bali too oh, by Red Gum. That is shit. That is shit out. I thought somebody else might have that. <laughs> yeah, I've got it there at number one, Brian. <laughs> Apologies to Against All Odds by Phil Collins, which is also shit. But I'm oh, that Bali. is terrible. Is that <laughs> in there? Yeah, that yep. was in there. Yep. Oh, sorry. I've got to put that in my worst three. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Phil's in there. Phil's got a Phil's got a Guernsey in there. Yeah, and no, I agree. What is- there's some clever lines. There's some clever lines in I've been to Bali too, but uh, just the whole, yeah. Uh, sorry, you can't. You yeah. can't come off. I was only nineteen and then sing that. Yeah, about Macura crime on your knee and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one minute Frankie's kicking a landmine the day that Mankind kicked the moon. Yeah, and next thing he's got a fucking Macura crime on his knee from a bike accident in Bali. Yeah, mm, doesn't yep. add up. No. And uh, and that's my number one bad as as well, and my number one good is Come Said the Boy from Mondo Rock. But there was, yeah, right. there, was a, there was a few. I mean, there was you know I sent a message by in excess that went, geez, that went close for me. Yeah, and I thought okay. Brian, I thought Rebel Yell might have bobbed up on yours, Brian. Well, yeah, um, it's probably a bit obvious, but yeah, it's probably one of my favourites. Um, bit, bit of desire by kids, I know he's good in, and 
the funny thing about bitter desire, like I've been working with Scott for you know, 14 years or something, and the very first night he played it, I said to him, as it goes, I fell down once, I fell down once, I fell down once. And I said, mate, if you fell down once, why do you tell us three times? <laughs> anyway, I was talking to him the other day, and we were talking about Joe Biden falling up the stairs. Yeah. And that is the perfect example of, <laughs> I fell down once, I fell down once, I fell down once. I finally understand what Scott was talking about when I saw Joe Biden fall up the stairs on the Air Force One. There you go. Some things take time to, to make sense. Now, they do. we got an enormous reaction on Facebook and Twitter from people who uh, had a look at the chart and wanted to have their two cents worth, so I'll just go through some of them. Luke Reynolds, came, right. up, Luke Reynolds came up with his good was Rebel Yell, Come Said the Boy in Saturday Night at number one. Howard Walter no. comes up his best Saturday night, Working with Fire and Steel by China Crisis. And uh, come said the boy, his worst, Footloose, Break My Stride, and Radio Gaga. Uh, Johnny Purchase, who you're dead to, Brian, incidentally, uh, right. came up with uh, his worst was Eat It, which is the number one song on this chart, incidentally. Uh, Julio and Willie, and then Catch Me, I'm Falling, which was the, that's the In real the life word. song. Yeah, I like that song, yeah. like the Beatles. And his best was Come Said the Boy, uh, Radio Gaga, and Love of the Common People. Um, Dickie Rock came up with this one. He gave Gold to Jump by Van Halen, Silver to Saturday Night by Cold Chisel, and Bronze to Footloose by Kenny Loggins. And his worst go in this order. No, Love of the Common People by Paul Young. Please no, Hello by Lionel Richie, and fuck no to All the Girls I've Loved Before by Julio. Um, I like that place. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah. hello, he's, he's got his shit together. Yes. Hello and to all the girls I've loved before. You're beauty. <laughs> he's got them. Uh, Robert Rice had his best as Saturday Night Rebel Yell and Relax. His worst was Hello, Save the Last Dance for Me by Dolly Parton and Here Comes the Rain Again. Um, oh, yeah. Sam said he thought 1984 was full of great songs, but then he had a look and worked out there was a lot of duds there. Um, but he said he would like to be a 19-year-old again. His best was Saturday Night, uh, Burning Up by Madonna, which he said was a great clip and jump by Van Halen. His worst, To All the Girls, Against All Odds, and A Rockin' Good Way by Dolly Parton. Um, best three That's f- good because I like Sam because I was 19 in 1984 and, yeah, okay. we were pretty similar. Good on you, Sammy. Good on you. Damn. David says he was 18 in 1984. His best were Footloose, Relax and Burning Up, uh, but he'd choose Saturday night if he had to choose now because he reckons that's good. Uh, he'd choose If he was choosing now, he'd be choosing Saturday mm-hmm. night, Eat It and Radio Gaga. Wayne has come up with uh, Relax, Radio Gaga and the politics of dancing as his good ones. Um, and his bad ones, To Be or Not To Be, the Mel Brooks song, Holiday. Oh, that was terrible which he said is just a whiny white noise from someone who looked like they'd shopped at Vinnie's and could do with a shower. <laughs> it's a lovely description of Madonna. That's a beauty. <laughs> yeah. and, speaking, <coughs> and speaking of looking like you need to have a shower, Calling Your Name by Marilyn, an awful song sung by someone who looked like they lurked Grey Street in St Kilda back in the day. <laughs> I used to go to a voice studio on Grey Street in St Kilda and it was full of Marilyns. Oh, I bet you did, bro. Oh, I bet you did, Kevin. <laughs> I did. Um, oh, yeah. Did you really? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. Just for what? 15, 30 minutes? Yeah, 15 seconders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, la, 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 la. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, now, Johnny Pappas' best three was Saturday Night, Come Said the Boy and Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Um, Yay! And his worst, I've been to Bali, Footloose and uh, Taken the Town by Icehouse. Oh, I, don't, I don't remember that one. Now, uh, Reese says it, it's a loaded chart because anything Shaken Stevens is on has to be bad. Well, that's a bit unfair and a bit un- oh, unnecessary. Shaky's our mate. Shaky's our mate. Um, Michelle says uh, the three worst shouldn't be too difficult, but the three best that's going to get back to us with that. Ken Francis wants more time to work on it. And I, yeah. get, I get to the very bottom one because Mark put in, Mark Rothwell put in, Jane Clifton, number 17, Better than half the songs on that list, and the reply to oh, really? yeah, and the reply to that on Facebook was, "Every dog has its day." From Jane Clifton, 
Really? Wow. He follows us. Uh-oh. <laughs> so you, he's a big fan of the show, Bonnie, and okay. you have just buggered her. You've just given her shit. Well, look, I'm glad I said that I I, I didn't like doing it because she'd done so much good stuff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but, but Margot, really. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about it. I'll tell you one thing about that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, that film clip could have been done or could be done today by anybody with a mobile phone and bad taste. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. That is a terrible film clip. Yes, fair enough. Oh, not well, I, don't think it'll, I don't think it's up for a Grammy or an, S, an Oscar or any of those things, that film clip. I, I concur with you there, Finey, 100%. Um, so that is that is May 13, 1984. Uh, the top ten was Eat It, 99 Luft Balloons, Footloose, Hold Me Now, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, I Send a Message, Holiday, Wouldn't It Be Good, Calling Your Name, and number ten was Rebel Yell. The number one album was, uh, geez, the, number, the, the top albums, The Swing by In Excess, 20th Century by Chisel, Thriller, uh, The Thompson Twins, The Footloose Soundtrack, Throbbin, 84, Brian, was the number six album. Throbbin. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm dropping right now. I'm sure you are, and that's why we're going to finish. Can't Slow Down by uh, Lionel Richie, Alchemy by Dire Straits, Two Life is Zero by Elton, and uh, the Mondo Rocks, the Modern Bop was the number 10 album. So that's 1984 summed up. And that brings us to the end of uh, another edition that, of Rock and Roll. <laughs> oh. that, was my, that was going to be my porno name, by the way. What? What? I, 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 look, you, it's pretty this isn't a visual medium because I always do the joke, you know, I, I, I miss being in pornos by that much. Yes. And I hold my fingers about three inches apart. Right. Um, yeah, just, and I've always said, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, if I had the ammunition, because, you know, you really, I would have done pornos. <laughs> um, That's good to know, well, Funny. <laughs> well, people go, people go, oh, but how embarrassing later in life, et cetera, et cetera. Not that embarrassing, I'm telling, telling <laughs> you. Yeah, so what was your porno you name going to be? Robin Good. Robin Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I won't ask I'd you what yours rich, was going to be, Brian. Yeah, I'd give from the rich and give for the poor. I don't know. Yeah. I, I won't ask you, Brian, because I can feel a Monty Python moment coming on. Um, and on that, I'd be Mr. I'd be Mr. Fitz. Mr. Fitz. Mr. Fitz. No, you wouldn't. You'd be Mr. Fister. Mr. Fister <laughs> with the silent P. Yes, Mr. Fister. Right. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, thank you, uh, Mark Fine, Throbbing Hood or, Hood or whatever you are, and uh, thank no, you. No, sorry, it's Throbbing Hood. Throbbing Hood. Throbbing Hood. Hood. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll get Robin that. Hood. I'll get that changed on the program banner. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, uh, Finey. Uh, have a lovely actually, week, actually, boys. Can, can, can. Yes. King Dong. What? King Dong. King Dong. You're going to be King Dong. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like King Kong, except it's King Dong. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Hang on, hang on. You're going to be at the new restaurant called King Dong. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me at all. We're getting out of here before we get into trouble. Thank you, boys. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I would have done porno. Not that embarrassing.